You're listening to the Faith Matters Podcast with Steve McKinley. Hello and welcome back. If you've been watching the podcast, you'll note that last week I explored the topic of where we can find Mary, and I concluded that the Catholic Church vastly skews the place and importance of Mary within Christianity. And this week I would like to further explore this topic and look at Mary within the Catholic Church and hopefully draw a few uh, tentative conclusions about where this Mary comes from. And uh, as we begin to look at Mary a little bit further, we can note that uh, Vatican II has remade Mary. It was very instrumental in making Mary what she is today. Vatican II kind of re-imaged Mary from um, a, a passive um, woman who is submissive to men to really taking an active part uh, and be, taking more of an active role both in our personal lives and in the church. And so there are several ideas that come from Catholicism which uh, surround the person of Mary. And the first one is the Immaculate Conception. And this was not a Catholic doctrine until December of 1854 when Pope Pius IX declared the doctrine to be dogma for the Catholic Church. And Pius IX said that Mary was immune from all sin, personal and inherited. So remarkably, it took the Catholic Church 1,800 years to officially recognize the Immaculate Conception of Mary, which supposedly kept her from sin, even from original sin, since birth for her entire life. And they supposedly deduced this from the angel's declaration in Luke chapter 1, verse 28, where he says, Hail! full of grace. And so the angel says to Mary, hail full of grace. And from this, we can deduce this very important doctrine of the immaculate conception that Mary never sinned her whole life. And then further, we have the perpetual virginity of Mary. This is kind of a laughable doctrine by the Catholic Church because you don't even have to get halfway through the first gospel, the gospel of Matthew, in chapter 12, to find out that Mary was not a perpetual virgin, that uh, Jesus had brothers. And so, what can we even say about this? But the Catholic Church tries to make out as though uh, Mary remained a virgin, or even as she had children, somehow remained a virgin, which is just preposterous. And then further, we have the bodily assumption of Mary into heaven. So Mary didn't die and be put in the grave like other people. She was bodily taken to heaven. And the Catholic Church didn't really discover this until 1950 when Pope Pius XII, supposedly speaking uh, directly on behalf of God, said, and I quote, "...Mary, the immaculate, perpetually virgin mother of God," after the completion of her earthly life, was assumed body and soul into the glory of heaven. And uh, Catholics also use imagery from Revelation chapter 12 um, to conclude that Mary is clothed with sun and stars in glory. The sun and stars in glory. And further, it's argued that as Mary... Uh, by the way, this is from a, a book titled Fundamentals of the Catholic Faith 
I quote, It is argued that as Mary had an intimate share in Christ's battle against Satan and in his victory over Satan and sin, she must also have participated intimately in his victory over death. And so nowhere in Scripture do we find these things, but the Catholic Church came to this new revelation in 1950 and thereafter. And it is said of Mary that she is the queen of heaven and earth. Mary, as the mother of of the Lord, shares in the royal dignity of her son. Remember in Jesus' famous prayer in John 17, where he was praying to his father uh, for his disciples, uh, he prayed that... uh, that uh, he would be in the glory of his father, uh, the glory which he saw before he came to earth. Well, now Mary somehow gets to share in this glory, and she shares in the royal dignity of her son, uh, based on the intrinsic work with Christ in his work of redemption. So somehow Mary, the earthly uh, mother, the human mother of the Lord, Uh, shared with Christ in his work of redemption and therefore is seen as the queen of heaven and earth. And like God, Mary has many names. She goes by the patroness, lady, queen, queen of the creation, queen of men, queen of heaven and earth. And this is from Fundamentals of the Catholic Faith. Mary is our lady and queen because she, the new Eve, has shared intimately in the redemptive work of Christ. Mary's sublime dignity as the queen of heaven and earth make her supremely powerful in her maternal intercession for her children on earth. Her children on earth. Now, who could that be? Do you think they're talking about her uh, physical children, Jesus' brothers, who are Mary's children on earth? So Mary is supposedly the queen of heaven and earth. Not only that, Mary herself is a mediator between God and men. This goes all the way back to 306 uh, AD, uh, roughly you know a few hundred years after the apostles, Saint Ephraim declared. After the mediator, that's Christ, thou, Mary, art the mediatrix of the whole world. So now, apparently, uh, Mary is the mediatrix of the whole world. Because Mary gave uh, birth to the Redeemer, Christ, and uh, Christ is the source of all graces in the world, and therefore Mary is the channel of God's grace to the world, and thus she is some kind of a mediator. And apparently from the time of Mary's assumption into heaven, no grace has been conferred on men without her actual intercessory cooperation. And the redemption of mankind by the victorious, I'm sorry, by the vicarious atonement of Christ must now be dependent on her assent and permission. Again, folks, this is blasphemy. Uh, This is uh, saying that Mary, uh, just because she was the physical mother of the man Jesus, the God-man Jesus, that uh, she somehow took part in his redemption and that no man can receive the vicarious atonement of Christ on his behalf without the explicit permission of his earthly mother, Mary. 
And then Mary goes on and she becomes co-redemptress. Now, this was first declared in the 15th century. That was around the time of the Reformation. And so it took 1,500 years uh, for the church to arrive at this conclusion that Mary was co-redemptress. And so she cooperates in bestowing the grace of redemption to man. And here's a quote, No grace accrues to men without the intercession of Mary. The redemptive grace of Christ is conferred on nobody without the actual intercessory cooperation of Mary. And then we have this, Nobody can approach Christ except through the mother. So you see, now there are two mediators There's God the Father. He cannot be approached except through Jesus Christ. And now Jesus Christ cannot be approached except through his earthly mother Mary for some reason. That's not ever given in Scripture. And, of course, uh, Mary probably, I don't know, maybe some Catholics can speak to this, cannot be approached except through the priest. We have multiple mediators. It actually gets quite confusing in the Catholic faith. And so Mary, she cooperates in the bestowing of grace, of the grace of redemption to man. And then here is St. Germanus in 733 AD. He said, Nobody can achieve salvation except through thee, O most holy one. Speaking of Mary, nobody can receive a gift of grace except through thee. And so he practically bowed at the feet of Mary and called her, O Most Holy One, a title in Scripture that's reserved for God alone. And so Mary approaches the status of God. And so that brings us to the next topic, that Mary is supposedly the mother of God. Mary, the earthly uh, woman who gave birth to Jesus is supposedly the mother of God. And the logic in the Catholic Church goes like this. Jesus is God, and Mary is his physical mother, and therefore Mary must be the uh, mother of God. But as we find in Scripture, it was the Holy Spirit uh, who provided the seed in Mary to for her to conceive uh, the God-man. And so Jesus had a divine father but a human mother. And Mary was simply human. And she was not the mother of God. She was the mother uh, of the human side of the God-man, Jesus Christ. But here's a statement from Vatican II. It says, She is endowed with the high office and dignity of being the mother of the Son of God, by which account she is also the beloved daughter of the Heavenly Father and the temple of the Holy Spirit. Every encounter with her can only result in an encounter with Christ himself. So you see, you can commune with Christ by communing with Mary. She is joined by an inseparable bond to the saving work of her Son. And then, of course, if Mary is the queen of heaven and earth, if Mary has this role of mediatorship, if she is the mother of God, of course, you're going to pray to Mary. And so the essential Catholic catechism says, Catholics are encouraged to foster a proper devotion to Mary, the mother of God. We continually ask her as our mother to pray and intercede for us before the throne of God. Mary's role in God's plan 
may be best summed up in the phrase, to Jesus through Mary. Our Lady of Knock, Queen of Ireland, you gave hope to your people in a time of distress and comforted them in sorrow. You have inspired countless pilgrims to pray with confidence to your divine Son, remembering his promise, Ask and you shall receive, seek and you shall find. So you see, Mary now stands between the believer and his Savior, Jesus Christ. The Catholic Church directs their faithful followers to pray to Mary. So what can we say about the Catholic Church? What should the Catholic Church and the clergy do? Well, they can do this. They can step aside to let people see Jesus Christ. You know, the Catholic Church is always standing between Christ and other people, whether it's a man in a collar or a man in a white robe or someone with a bunch of headgear on, or whether it's sticking an image or a statue of an angel uh, or uh, you know, a statue of Mary or whatever it is, the Catholic Church is always trying to insert something or someone between a believer and their, uh, their Savior, Jesus Christ. And so the Catholic Church and the clergy ought to step aside and let people see Jesus Christ. How can anyone in the Catholic Church see Jesus Christ? They need to get out of the way so that Jesus can shine. But you know what? They're not going to do that. They won't do that for the same reasons that the Pharisees would not step down and become disciples of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus contended with the Pharisees, and we find out that the Pharisees, they loved the praise of men. They loved the political power and the clout and the status that came along with being on the Sanhedrin, that authoritative Jewish body. They liked to appear holy as they walked around, and you could just imagine these uh, Pharisees, the scribes and the Pharisees, walking around in their long robes, white robes, and uh, gently swaying in the breeze as they walked, and and uh, their uh, tassels hanging, and the phylacteries that they wore. They must have been quite a sight. They must have looked very holy. And as they came down the the street, people would look and say, oh, look, it's the holy men, the Pharisees, looking so holy. And it must have been quite a sight to behold. The Pharisees were a brotherhood, and they had this close communion among them, and and, uh, they stuck up for one another. And they supposedly had an authoritative tradition passed down from Moses that if people did not obey these doctrines of men, these oral traditions supposedly given down from Moses, then they could not be close to God and they could not be right with God. But Jesus came along and rebuked them as a generation of vipers. Jesus said in Matthew 23, 27, You are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, 
but are within full of dead men's bones and, are, and of all uncleanness. Even so, ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within you are full of hypocrisy and iniquity. And then in Matthew 12, 38, Jesus said, Beware of the scribes, which love to go in long clothing and love salutations in the marketplaces and the chief seats in the synagogues and the uppermost rooms at the feasts, which devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. These shall receive greater damnation. And Jesus went on to say, Let them alone. In other words, leave them to themselves And don't worry about their criticisms or their harsh comebacks. They be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, both shall fall into the ditch. No, the Catholic Church is never going to step aside and let people see Jesus Christ because they love their high places. uh, And they'll never give people a clear path to Jesus Christ. And so between the Bible and between the Catholic Church, we have this startling contrast. According to the Bible, Jesus Christ is a prophet. He is our high priest, and he is king. He is the king of kings and lord of lords. He is the king of the Jews. Jesus is the word, the logos. He is the I am. Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is Lord, Master, and Rabbi. He is the Son of God, the Son of Man, and the Son of David. He is the Lamb of God, the new Adam, the light of the world. He is the bread of life, the true vine, and the only door. He is the way, the truth, and the life. He is the good shepherd. He is our Savior and advocate. He is the first comforter, the paraclete. The second, of course, being the Holy Spirit. He is the first and last, the author and finisher of our faith. And Jesus Christ brings us to God. In the Bible, Mary was just a blessed virgin who conceived Jesus Christ through the working of the Holy Spirit, and nothing more is said of her. And yet, according to the Catholic Church, Mary hears prayers, and therefore must be omnipresent and all-powerful. She's an intercessor and a mediator and co-redemptress. She's the Queen Mother of Heaven. She's the Holy Mother of God. She's supposedly the Ark of the Covenant. She's the Queen of Angels and the Queen of All Saints, and many, many more blasphemous titles that are assigned to Mary. And so where did this concept of Mary come from? Well, honestly, it's difficult to say, but we can look back through history and we could say, like the Catholic Church, Mary was an evolution over time. It took many contributions from many different people over many centuries to evolve Mary into what she is today. Let me say this in conclusion. Let me quote the Dictionary of Mary. I mean, just the audacity of the title of that book, The Dictionary of Mary. It says, It is in Mary that the church finds its fulfillment and its fullness. Blasphemy. Let me say this. The Catholic Church has made a God out of Mary and therefore has made up their own God. 
You know, it was like the Jews of the Old Testament time who, yes, they claimed to believe in the Jehovah God, but they had all of their little gods and their idols and their images on the side that they loved to bow down and pray to. They were fully steeped in idolatry. And so let's call it what it is. The Catholic Church, the Catholic religion is Roman paganism. Paganism is satanically driven, man-made inventions about God and the spiritual realm, and, and with all the superstitions that go along with it, Catholicism is nothing more than Roman paganism. And so if you want to know God, separate yourselves from this paganism. Quit following blind men and get to know Jesus Christ as he is revealed in Scripture. And you will find Jesus Christ to be a wonderful Savior who will bring you to God. May God bless you as you get to know Jesus Christ.